Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Twisted Talks. I'm Josh. I'm Tanya. So this week for our joint case, we're covering the case of John Bonet Ramsey. Now I'm sure most of you who are into true crime have likely heard of this case, but in case you haven't heard of it, trigger warning for child murder, uh, I suppose possible child sexual assault, because that's not confirmed, nor... Denied, yeah. but anyway, and also child murder because John Bonet, as I said, was she was she six. six. She was six at the time of her murder, so baby. child murder potential sexual assault being mentioned, not definitive, um, and I suppose obviously descriptions of possible of a violence to some yeah. extent, but that's to be expected in most cases yeah. anyway. So just this, it involves a child, and if that's not for you. Off you pop, and we'll speak to you in the next one. Exactly. So with our trigger warning out of the way, let's jump into the case. Tanya, take it away. So, uh, John Benet Patricia Ramsey was born on August 6th, 1990 in Atlanta, Georgia, to her parents, John Bennett Ramsey and Patricia Ramsey, who was known as Patsy, and I will be referring to her as Patsy. Um, John Benet's name actually was... Um, a combination of her father's first and middle names, so John and Bennett, and they just, I suppose, changed it to Benet to make it sound a bit more feminine. And then obviously Patricia is her mother's name and that was her middle name. Um, so John Benet was the younger of their two children together and she also had a brother named Burke who was around three years older than her. John Benet was described as an outgoing Southern girl who loved to be the centre of attention. By the time she was six years old, she had already won several beauty pageants, credited to her outgoing personality, her bouncy blonde hair, her poised smile and her glittery costumes. Her father, John, was a multi-millionaire businessman and her mother, Patsy, was a former beauty queen who had won Miss West Virginia in 1977. Their home was described as luxurious and was known to be stocked with all that John Bonet needed to live a comfortable life. However, this all changed on December 26th, 1996, when Patsy found a ransom note in their home demanding money in exchange for John Bonet's life. And before we, I suppose, continue with the actual case case, my next section is just kind of like a background on the parents. Mm-hmm. So, information on them. John Bonet's father, John Bennett Ramsey, was born on the 7th of December 1943 in Lincoln, Nebraska. John attended Michigan State University and after graduating he became an officer in the US Navy. Later, he founded a, co- founded a company called the Advanced Product Group, and he went on to become CEO of Access Graphics. John was first married to Lucinda Pash. I don't know if I'm pronouncing the surname right. I but think anyway. Pash as well, yeah. yeah. P-A-S-C-H. Um, who he met while they were undergrads at Michigan State University. John and Lucinda got married in 1966, and they had three children together, Elizabeth, Melinda, and John Andrew. Um, they divorced in 1978, however, the reasons aren't publicly known. Um, sadly, on the 8th of January 1992, their daughter Elizabeth and Elizabeth's boyfriend died in a car crash, um, a car accident. Um, John's second marriage then was that marriage to Patsy and, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, Paul, Paul, P-A-U-G-H, Paul. I was it Pow? Pow, I don't know, but you, you get the gist. Yeah. Um, they wedded on the 5th of November 1890. The couple had two children, one daughter, John Bonet Ramsey, and one son, Burke Ramsey. I'm just, he named two of his kids after himself. Yeah. Michael Jackson vibes. <laughs> um, John Bonet's mother, um, Patsy, was born Patricia Ampa, as I said. Um, I've confused my brain. You are 
here and she's the same birthday as you that's yeah that's one of the main things i know it's yes 29th of december 1956 i'm a lot older than i sound no i'm joking i was 97 <laughs> um in she was 97 born, when she was born yes he's now 152 that was really quick Matt. did i get it right i don't know but i'm not questioning <laughs> it because i'm not trying no um I just assumed because you said it with such confidence that you were right. Listen, <laughs> one thing I've learned in life is if you fake it till you make it. If you can't, this is the quote that got me through my leaving cert. If you can't blind them with your brilliance, baffle them with your bullshit. That'll do. Um. So yeah, Patsy was born in Gilbert, West Virginia. Um, West Virginia. She was the daughter of Donald Ray. Po, 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 whatever. And Nedra, Al, Ellen, Ann. Nedra? Yeah. That's an interesting it name. It is, isn't it? I feel like what? I've heard I've it not... once before, but I can't figure out where. I've not heard that before at all. Um, Patsy grew up with two sisters, Paulette and Pamela. Oh, we like they the went with the peas. Yeah. Nice, nice. Oh, it's it's giving it's giving Hallowell vibes. Yes. Oh, yeah, it is. I Yeah. If you're a Charmed fan, you know. Hallowell's from Wish. Um... Patsy, <laughs> Patsy went to the Parkersburg High School and she was an above average student. Um, she graduated from high school in 1975 and then she joined the University of West Virginia. West she, Virginia. Yeah, country roads. She was a beautiful, social and outgoing teen. Patsy took part in the Miss West... The Miss West, West Virginia. Virginia beauty pageant in 1977 and she placed first. At the time that she, at the time she won the pageant, she was pursuing a bachelor's degree in journalism. Ooh, um, hi Patricia. I Patricia! Just put something together in my head there, but I'll come to that later, okay. if I remember. Patsy was 23 years old when she got married to John Ramsey. They had dated for a few months before getting married. And as we know, John had three children from his previous marriage to Lucinda. Um, so it was 1987 when Patsy gave birth to their son Burke Ramsey and soon after the birth of Burke they moved to Atlanta, Georgia. In 1990 Patsy gave birth to their daughter JonBenet Ramsey before then at some stage moving to Boulder in Colorado. Patsy had ovarian cancer in 1993 and it was successfully treated. Patsy was in remission until she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer again in 2002. She received medical care for her condition but she passed away on the 24th of June 2006 at her father's house with her husband John by her side. So sad. Um, so I suppose kind of getting on to the ransom note now. So as I said earlier, on December 26th, 1996, Patsy Ramsey found a ransom note on her stairs. Her and John had woken early. Um, I believe it was around 5.30 or... I think that adds up with what I've seen as 530, well. 5.30, 5.40 a.m. And they found that John Bonet was missing from her bed. She had disappeared in the night as they slept. On the stairs was a two and a half page ransom note. Two and a half pages is very long for a ransom note in my opinion. Oh, this is where it comes in now. Okay, this is not fact. This is just because I, as I will say later in the case, I don't believe the parents were responsible. Me either. But in order to, because why not feed into the conspiracies? Mm -hmm. If I was to feed in and give any bit of like, you know. Credence to it. To the parents being involved. I do find it interesting the extent of the ransom note and just finding out that she had done studied journalism. Yeah. But that's all. I did just mean she'd be good at writing. Yeah, she'd be good at writing, but also I feel like But she I still would don't know, think they were involved. Yeah, I feel like she would know better than to write a two and a half page ransom note. Um Definitely. So I'm just going to read you the ransom note now and we'll have a picture on the Instagram as well. And as I said it's two and a half pages, so bear with me. Um so it reads Mr Ramsey Listen carefully. We are a group of individuals that represents a small foreign faction. We do respect your business, and business was misspelled and had two, 
two S's, so B-U-S-S-I-N-E-S-S. But not the Bussiness. Country. Your bussiness, but not the country that it served. That's actually not appropriate. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. In the gay world? No. Bussy. <gasps> Bussiness. Oh, okay. We're, 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 I'm going to pretend you didn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> so, we do respect your business, but not the country that it serves. At this time, we have your daughter in our possession. She is safe and unharmed, and if you want her to see 1997, you must follow our instructions. <laughs> <to> the <letter. laughs> if you want her to see I don't know why I found this is my first time actually reading the ransom note. I just copied and pasted it, but um, because <laughs> I wanted I wanted to read it you live. You want to also air. get the surprise? Uh, but yeah, if you want, not if you want her to live to see the morning. If you want her to live to see 1997, well, I suppose it is December. Kinda yeah, but sense. still, it's still a few days away. Yeah. If I give um, you the money, when am I getting my daughter back? January first. <laughs> <laughs> You must follow our instructions to the letter. You will withdraw $118,000 from your account. $100,000 will be in $100 bills and the remaining $18,000 in $20 bills. Make sure that you bring an adequate sized attaché, like a little briefcase thing, very fancy, to the bank. When you get home, you will put the money in a brown paper bag. I will call you between 8 and 10 a.m. tomorrow to instruct you on delivery. The delivery will be exhausting, so I advise you to be rested. If we monitor you getting the money early, we might call you early to arrange an earlier delivery of the money and hence an earlier delivery pickup of your daughter. Any deviation of my instructions will result in the immediate execution of your daughter. You will also be denied her remains for a proper burial. The two gentlemen watching over your daughter do not particularly like you, so I advise you to not provoke them. Speaking to anyone about your situation, such as police, FBI, etc., will result in your daughter being beheaded. If we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. If you alert bank authorities, she dies. If the money is in any way marked or tampered with, she dies. You will be scanned for electronic devices and if any are found, she dies. You can try to deceive us, but be warned that we are familiar with law enforcement countermeasures and tactics. You stand a 99% chance of of killing your daughter if you try to outsmart us. Follow our instructions and you stand a 100% chance of getting her back. You and your family are under constant scrutiny as well as the authorities. Don't try to grow a brain, John. You are not... Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! You are not the only fat cat around, so don't think that killing will be difficult. Don't underestimate... Don't underestimate us, John. Use that good southern common sense of yours. It is up to you now, John. Victory. S-B-T-C is how the letter was signed off. As you do. And that, that was that. Now, immediately after authorities read this ransom note, they were suspicious. $118,000 is an odd number for ransom for to, to, to ransom for. It's extremely specific as yeah, well. Why not 120? Yeah, like typically a kidnapper would go for a round number like $110,000 or one or, sorry, $100,000 or 150, 200. No, sorry. They would have rounded it down to $110,000 or rounded it up to $120,000. Yeah. And even stranger, the amount that the kidnapper had asked for was the exact amount that John had recently received as a bonus from his company. And the note appeared to be written on a legal pad that belonged to the family. I believe it was written on a, pe- a pad of paper that actually belonged to Patsy. Um, with the suspicions of authorities regarding the note, John, Patsy and Burke all submitted handwriting samples for analysis. John and Burke were cleared, but Patsy's handwriting sample returned inconclusive, which doesn't mean she's guilty, but it also doesn't mean she's innocent. It just couldn't be... Figured out. Figured out definitively. We really love that word, definitively. Um, 
John Bonet's family were never officially named as suspects, but all the details surrounding the note led lead some people and some experts to believe that her family or someone who knew the family would have and would have known about John's bonus were responsible. Okay. Um, because I suppose you would have to be a member of the family or know the family personally to um, know how much John had received in his like bonus, his Christmas bonus. Yeah, yeah. You'd have to have to be involved in finances at the work. Or, or be his accountant, like his personal yeah, accountant or something. Or someone that did, someone for they, some reason, specifically told them. Yeah, like someone they were really close to. Like, Which oh, even like, that's really weird because like I feel like... I wouldn't like to tell someone... Like, well, oh, then I, again, if it was you and me, I'd probably tell you how much I got. So it'd yeah. have to be someone really, really yeah. close like, for me I'd to be, give that much specific. I would be extremely jealous, but like, yeah, but I'd not, probably be not like, kill I'd probably your child be, jealous. Yeah. I'd be like, can you loan me a grand that you won't get back? I'd be like... Well, I was going to say we'll go to the Bahamas, but all oh, right. Oh, savage, let's go. <laughs> but, mm, um... Mm. We should go to Bali. Bali? I do want to go there mm-hmm. at some stage. I and I want to lose my diamond earring. <laughs> my diamond earring fell off in the ocean. There's people dying, Kim. But my diamond earring, Courtney. Um, it's back to me. It's back to you. Okay. So, now I'm going to cover the 911 call and the initial search. Now, the only people in the house at the time were Patsy, John, and Burke Ramsey. Um, so shortly after 5.45 on the 26th of December 1996, Patsy called 911. Uh, instead of reading out the transcript of the call, I'm just going to play the recording of the call. So here we go. 911 call I know you've listened to it during your research yeah um, I did see in my research and we will kind of get into this a little bit more oh you can't sorry it, excuse my language what it yeah it is okay I thought it wasn't recording I caught my beard in my vape and plucked Ooh. it oh nice nice um, excuse my French <laughs> will we go back and cut that out no it's fine it's a blooper. look it's who I am <laughs> happens at least um, four times a fucking so, day so um as I was saying, um, we'll kind of get into this more later, but obviously if you're familiar with the case, you know that a lot of people do suspect the parents. And I did see in my research that some people believe that Patsy killed JonBenet because of the 911 call and how she refers to herself as the mother in it. Um, and she, she did at one point. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. Said, oh, um, Patsy Ramsey, I'm the mother or something like that. 
but having heard the 911 call like that woman is clearly distressed and clearly and I don't understand her saying I'm the mother it's like the phrasing doesn't matter like she could have easily said I'm her mother or she's my daughter or she's the daughter or I'm the mother she was still giving the information and she sounded very clearly distressed I feel like now this is just me my own opinion I do think a lot of people nitpick to make things fit their narratives and Yeah. yeah I feel like in terms of the difference of phrasing, so people that might say the mother, the father, her mm-hmm. mother, her father, I feel like her mother, her father would be something an average or lower class person would say. But someone okay. upper class or well off with money, I feel like they would say it as if it's a title, like the mother, okay. the father. Okay. And it's more of a subconscious thing. Okay, I see that. that. It's, it's I see that. to do with what class you are. Now, there, that, yeah. I haven't read anything to do with I, psychology behind that. That's yeah. just my own personal formed opinion my, as of right now. My personal opinion is that she was just panicked and that's just how it came out. Yeah. I nearly knocked the microphone, but that's just how it came out in that moment. And I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't see that that points the finger of guilt in her direction in no. the slightest. Um, do you have more? Is it? Um, so I was just kind of saying, I honestly don't know what to make of the call. I don't know how I would react or come across if I was in that kind of situation. Therefore, I do believe the call was genuine fear. Mm-hmm. And the Patsy was I. not involved in what happened to her daughter. Um, like she did come across very scattered and panicked. Yes, which um, is I believe would be the standard reaction yeah. when you wake up to find and then, small but child then again, someone can be scattered and panicked out of fear of getting caught as well. True. It is hard to de- hard one to decipher, but I really want to believe the family wasn't involved, and I don't think they were. Yeah. Um. Now, after hearing how clearly it was stated in the note not to contact anyone, such as the police, or John Bonet would be killed, I do find it slightly strange that the police were called so quickly, mm-hmm. and not only were they called. Patsy did not inform the dispatcher of the threats made on John Bonet's life if the police were brought into the mix. Yeah. And I know that obviously in that kind of situation it must be impossible to decide on how to proceed. Do you get the money and follow the ransom request or do you call the police and hope your child doesn't get killed for it? Um, I would say that if I had the wealth the Ramsey family had, I would probably follow the ransom note and give as much money as I could to get my child back unharmed. But that's easy for me to say when I'm not in that kind of situation yeah. and don't have money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, the main thing so far I can't wrap my head around is not telling the dispatcher about the threats. Would you not want to report it in a way so that when the police come to your home it's done discreetly and maybe plain clothes cops or even an unmarked mm. car so that if the kidnappers are watching it won't be so obvious that you've gone against their ransom note and already called the police? See, I think she just... like. But from, again, panic. I think she just sounded so panicked she probably wasn't thinking, thinking. about any of that. She was just thinking yeah. that maybe the police... like, Because I suppose... In a situation like that, what you are supposed to do is call the police. And that is, I suppose, a lot of people's first instincts. Yeah, but then I feel like if I was to call the police, I feel like I'd be so panicked and so paranoid over the note that, that I, I would that mention you, yeah. that out of being in that heightened state. Maybe she's just not like us. But. Maybe Patsy has a normal brain. She doesn't live her life on the the edge of. Um, I was going to say the poverty fight or line. Flight or, the po- <laughs> or the poverty line. She's not, she's not in the fight, the fight or flight or the poverty um, line crew. And yeah, but what I found extra weird, right, regardless of that not being mentioned, mm-hmm. um, not only were the police called, but Patsy also went on to call two couples that they were friends with and the family's minister, even though the note the kidnapper warned that if we catch you talking to a stray dog, she dies. Yeah, she's like, I'm going to call everyone. And the priest. And the everyone police. needs to know. Um, and I can understand calling the police being, despite being told not to. That can be explained. But why would you call more people to your house yeah. than absolutely necessary? Like, you would think she would have just called the police and left it at that. Yeah. 
that is another thing that does make me question whether the family was involved in whatever happened to John Bonet. Just the fact of fair enough calling the police, panicked, not warning about yeah. the threat. Okay, also, why did that you not let your minister away. know? But I guess they were religious. Yeah. But still, why that quick? Us, Do you know? I'm. But anyway, within seven minutes of the nine one one call, some sources say within three, um, police officers Carl Vetch and Rick French arrived in police cars uh, because they didn't know any better as the dispatcher had not been made aware of the threats to John Bonet's life mm-hmm. um, at the 15-room home of the Ramseys located at 755 15th Street um, after reading the Rams- Ramsom the Ramsom Ransom note a quick search was done of the house including searching the basement when in the basement officer Rick French came to a door that was secured with a wooden latch he paused in front of the door for a moment before walking away mm-hmm. was that the wine cellar by any chance? I'm. It's in your next section, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, he Officer French said in his police report that you know he didn't open the doors. He was looking for exits. The kidnapper may have used, mm-hmm. and where where the latch was would have been the wrong side of the door for it to have led outside. Okay. And therefore, he moved on with his search because they were looking for where someone could have gotten out, yeah. and that's not a place that he could get out when, yeah. especially when the latch was closed. Um. So fair enough. John made arrangements to pay the ransom, as John Bonet was still missing. Um, a friends, a forensics team had been sent to the house. The team had at first believed that John Bonet had been kidnapped, and therefore John Bonet's bedroom was the only room in the house to be cordoned off in order to prevent any mm-hmm. potential evidence from being contaminated. However, no precautions had been taken to prevent the contamination of potential evidence anywhere else in the house. Yes, that is a big. That thing was with a big boo boo. That is a big thing in this case, with um, evidence being contaminated. Yeah, and by now, those who had been called had arrived at the house, the friends and the minister. One friend had helped to clean the kitchen, such as wiping down counters with a spray cleaner, which, while it's a lovely gesture, and I'm sure they were only trying to help in any way they could, this could possibly have wiped away important evidence if mm-hmm. there was any in the kitchen. Fingerprints or anything like that. Exactly. Um, by the time Detective Linda Arndt arrived at the home at 8am, friends Fleet and Priscilla White, John and Barbara Fernie, and the minister were all at the Ramsey house. Detective Linda Arndt was waiting for further instructions from the kidnapper or kidnappers, but there was never any attempt um, by anyone to claim the money. Who was that sad man home? But anyway, um, police quickly determined that there were no clear signs of a break-in. There were no footprints. There were no footprints in the snow um, that surrounded the house, and there was no sign of forced entry anywhere in the house. Oh, now, someone's getting a delivery. Oh, mam's getting a patchy, is she? Yeah. Or Jake, or both. Enjoy your patchy if you ever listen to this, guys. <laughs> um, so the house being 6,500 square foot and on a half acre in the prestigious University Hill section Ooh. of Boulder, Colorado. Fancy. Now, I initially found it quite strange when I read that there wasn't uh, even footprints in the snow. I assumed that if somebody had managed to get into the house and take John Bonet, that there would at least be footprints. Um, around outside. I suppose if it had snowed more that night, it would have filled in the footprints. But like, I don't know if it did snow more or what the weather yeah, was like. I wasn't even born then, guys. One of the Boulder police officers at the scene had noted that when he walked on the driveway and sidewalks, his steps left no visible footprints either. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, That's strange. The temperature that morning had been nine degrees, which I assume is Fahrenheit, meaning in Celsius it was always, it was almost minus 13. Okay. So during that night before there had even during the night before there had been light snow and frost had also formed on top of earlier snow and spotty patches on the grass outside the home. Um and I'm assuming the frost on top of the snow could explain the lack of footprints. Yeah. Maybe it like reinforced the snow or something somehow. Yes, you were um, thinking into I don't it know. I'm just speculating. I'm not a snow and frost expert. <laughs> and if I was some sort of weather expert that perhaps maybe 
worked for RTE or something, I would definitely be wrong. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> oh, well. Yes. My turn? Yes. Okay. Wee oui, wee. Oui. So this section's quite short, um, but basically at around 1pm, seven hours after, after the discovery of the ransom note, detectives told John and a friend of his who was at the house, I'm not sure which friend it was. But probably one, one of the ones. Yeah, that had been called, um, to go around the house and see if anything was out of place or amiss. The first place they checked was the basement. And it was behind that door that Josh mentioned earlier. I believe it was. I Officer believe it led French. to the wine cellar. Yeah, I didn't know where it led. I just knew that there was um, a little I, section I there. I never wrote it down, but I'm sure it was the wine cellar Makes the or like sense. a wine room. And this was where they found John Bonet's body. So she had actually been in the house this whole time. Yeah. Um, immediately, John picked her up and brought her upstairs, which unfortunately de- destroyed potential evidence. Um, now, I did see one source say that when he brought her upstairs, I believe it was one of the detectives, but I'm not sure, um, said that basically when he was carrying her upstairs, like you would expect a father who had just found his child's body to be kind of almost cradling the body, holding it close to him. Um, but apparently John was holding her with his arms kind of outstretched. So like instead of holding her close, he had her kind of out at a slight distance from his body. Yeah. Um, now I don't know why that was if that actually and like I get the whole you'd imagine it was being cradled but also I can also get the outstretched thing because at the end of the day if you're one of those people that doesn't like look into too much in terms of the body it's like this is no longer your daughter this is a corpse yeah Um, now um, John Bonet's wrists were tied with a white cord and her mouth was duct taped Um, and during the autopsy, it was discovered that she had a fracture to her skull and had died due to asphyxiation as a result of strangulation. And John Bonet was buried at St. James Episcopal Cemetery in Marietta, Georgia on December 31st, 1996. And she was buried next to her half-sister, Elizabeth Pash. Sorry, Elizabeth Pash Ramsey, who had died in a car accident aged 22 in 1992. Now, I did see, um, and I think I have it written down somewhere later, but um, basically John said the reason that he had moved the body was because I suppose he was hoping that she was still alive. Yeah, possibly. And even though I'd imagine some part of him probably knew no, that she was dead. but that dead, doesn't mean you want to admit it to yourself. He, no, like he was probably in denial and so he was like, I'm going to bring my child upstairs where there are police officers who are trained in this sort of thing yeah. and they might be able to help her. That is possible. Like. Um, so I don't personally Or do you know, maybe she, she might have no pulse or anything, but how long is it wait? Maybe it's a five exactly. minutes, maybe we can bring her back. Maybe, exactly. Um, and I, what was I going to say? So it could have been denial or yes. it could have oh, just been... Um, so I don't personally think that this was an intentional act by John Ramsey to destroy evidence. I think, in fact, it's probably something that he has kicked himself over for years and years and years. Yeah. But um, he he did move the body and disturb the but most even like even if you compare it to like anything like most of the time a parent will go to pick their child up yeah of course when it's that paternal or instinct or the maternal instinct if you're the mother like you parents do have certain instincts towards their children and if you see your child is on the floor like you'll have the same people giving out about his paternal instinct to immediately pick up the body but then those same people giving out about the way he held it exactly <laughs> and like it's it's one of those situations that hopefully none of us will ever be in and my heart breaks for anyone who has ever been in that situation you don't know how you're going to react to him. It could have been the most sensible thing in the world to hold the body out. Maybe, maybe by the time he had gotten to the stairs, he was like, "Oh my god, evidence!" And that's why he was Push holding it away the body so out. Yeah. 
Like you don't know, we don't know what was going on in his head. And he might not moment. even remember exactly what was going on in his exactly. head because it's like, traumatic. Yeah. And it's, it's it's probably one of those things you describe as happening so fast, but also been the longest day yeah. of your life at the same time. Yeah, like it all blurs together, but at the same time, it's stretched out so much. Um, and that's what I have on that section. Um, so John Bonet's autopsy was done by pathologist John E. Meyer at the office of the Boulder County Coroner. Uh, Johnny Meyer arrived at the Ramsey home at around 8pm on December 26, 1996. He entered the house where the body of John Bonet was located at about 8.20pm. Um, not that the body was located at the time, that's just when he entered the house mm. where it was. Um, John Meyer first viewed the body in the living room where John Bonet was laying on her back on the floor covered by a blanket and a, and a sweatshirt. Oh, sorry, actually, I forgot to mention when her body was discovered, she was both laying on a blanket and I do believe she was covered by a blanket as well which is why some people think that it was someone who knew her that killed her because covering the body afterwards shows remorse yeah um but yeah so sorry continue and a sweatshirt anyway and upon removing the items from the top of the body it was observed that John Bonet was on her back with her arms extended up over her head um her head was also turned to the right uh, a brief examination of the body showed a ligature around the neck and a ligature around the right wrist. It was also noted that there was a small area of abrasion or contusion below the right ear on the lateral aspect of the right cheek, which is just a section, basically, mm -hmm. fancy wording for that area. Mm -hmm. um, also present was a prominent dried abrasion on the lower left neck. Um, after this brief initial examination, John Meyer left the Ramsey home at around 8.30pm, so he was only there very briefly. Mm -hmm. um, if you guys can hear the rain, enjoy the ASMR because we don't have the laptop battery to pause. Yeah, um, we also don't have anywhere else to go. <laughs> um, so at 10.45pm, the Boulder County Coroner staff removed John Bonet's body from the Ramsey home. Uh, the final diagnosis from the full autopsy that was then conducted on the 27th of December 1996 at 8.15am included ligature strangulation, uh, circumference, some comfort... Oh my God, my brain. Circumferential, there we go. Mm -hmm. Ligature, with associated ligature. Furrow of the neck. Abrasions and petechial hemorrhages on the neck. Petechial hemorrhages, conjunctive... Uh, petechial hemorrhages, conjunctival surfaces of eyes and skin of face. Uh, craniocerebral injuries, so scalp contusion. Linear com comminuted fracture of the right side of the skull. Comminuted meaning the bone is broken in more than one um, place. Less so like the same bone, but broken in more than one place. Mm -hmm. um, linear pattern of contusions of right cerebral hemisphere. Subarachnoid and subdural hemorrhage. Subarachnoid meaning in the space that surrounds the brain and subdural being when blood gathers between the skull and the surface of the brain. Small contusions on the tips of temporal lobes. Then there was also abrasion of the right cheek. Abrasion slash contusion. Posterior right shoulder, that was. Abrasions of the left lower back and posterior left lower leg. Abrasion and vag vascular congestion of vaginal mucosa. Ligature of right wrist. Now the toxicology results did not detect the presence of any alcohol or drugs in John Bonnet's system. Uh, the cause of death was ruled as being caused by asphyxia by strangulation associated with craniocerebral trauma. Um, there was no conclusive evidence of rape as there was no semen found on the body and the vagina appeared to have been wiped clean, although a sexual assault may have occurred. Mm -hmm. uh, the death of John Bonnet was ruled as a homicide. Um, a makeshift garret, or is it Garret? Garret? Garot. Garot, who? Garot. 
Oh, that annoys me that there's an E in it spelled, pronounced with no. What? No, I think that's a misspelling. It's G. No, that's right spelling. It's G. Well, I've always always seen it spelled G A R O T T E. All the resources spelled it that way anyway, and it didn't autocorrect on my. And mine is like grot. I've never heard of that before. It's I'm going to say thing. garret it's, it's anyway. The same thing. Because. I'm going to say garot whenever it pops up in my mind. But we're talking about the same thing. But yeah, a makeshift gar- gar- garret was made using a length of cord and part of a paintbrush from the basement. Uh, this was the ligature used to strangle John Bonnet. The pathologist also found a fruit or vegetable that could have been pineapple in John Bonnet's stomach contents. However, her parents don't recall giving her anything the night before she died. There was a bowl of pineapple in the kitchen which had Burke Ramsey's fingerprints on it, but this didn't mean much as the time can't be attributed to the fingerprints. Uh, the Ramseys maintained that Burke had been in his room all night sleeping and there was never any physical evidence to say otherwise. Um, remember how I said that I accidentally went into your section again? Yeah. That last little bit that you read out was the bit that I had to delete off mine. <laughs> um, so, unidentified DNA was found on John Bonnet's underwear in the form of blood spots. And as well, touch DNA was found on the waistband of her long johns. This was tested against DNA of John Bonnet's family members and friends, as well as 200 potential suspects with no matches. It was also uploaded into the CODIS database, which is the Combined DNA Index System. We've mentioned that quite a few times, um, with no matches on CODIS either. So in October 2016, an outside laboratory tested the DNA and found genetic markers from two people other than John Bonnet, and additional DNA was found in spots around the basement. This DNA... This DNA find has split opinions on the case drastically, leading some to believe it was her parents or her brother, as they believe there is no proof of it being a stranger murder, while others believe it had to have been a stranger due to the DNA ruling out the family and owing to the DNA showing up identically in several places on multiple surfaces. So, um, I know... No, I can't remember her name, so I'm not even going to mention it. Um, But it was just about someone who believes that theory. Uh, In 2021, then 78-year-old John Ramsey called for police to perform investigative genetic genealogy, or IgG, on the DNA samples in order to identify the killer. Now, some of you will have heard Josh and I speak about IgG before in cases like the Golden State Killer or the Somerton Man case. But for those of you who aren't familiar, I'll give a brief summary. So, according to yourtango.com, Um, this is a direct quote the technique involves uploading a crime scene DNA profile to one or more genetic genealogy databases with the intention of identifying a criminal offender's genetic relatives and eventually locating the offender within the family tree so basically they will upload the DNA that they found and they'll find relatives and that'll show how close those relatives are and they'll be able to build a family tree and trace it back to one specific person and then they just have to obtain their DNA, test it against the DNA they have and it will either confirm or deny. So if you're feeling like you really want to do something you shouldn't, like commit a murder or any other awful um, crime, please first do a genealogy kit and um, put it on as many of the websites as you can and use that as your motivation to be a good human being. Make it Go on, make it easy on everyone. Um, now, I'm just going to read you a statement released by the Boulder Police Department in response to John's request. request. Um, so, quote, The Boulder Police Department is aware of the recent request involving the homicide investigation of John Benet Ramsey and wants the community to, community to know excuse me, that it has never wavered in its pursuit to bring justice to everyone affected by the murder of this little girl. 
Detectives have followed up on every lead that has come into the department to include more than 21,016 tips, letters and emails and travelling to 19 states to interview or speak with more than 1,000 individuals in connection to this crime. As recently as March 2022, the Boulder Police Department hosted another meeting with federal, state and local agencies working on this case and in consultation with DNA experts from around the country. That collaboration will continue. Now that's not the full statement as far as I know, it's just what I came across in my research. Now John has said that he is fully prepared to go down the, the road of legal action against the state of Colorado if the investigation isn't changed to a cold case to allow for further investigation and further investigative techniques. Yeah, but they clearly haven't found anything, so how is it not a cold case? Yeah. Now, he has also started a petition on change.org, which I signed today and I believe Josh signed today, and we will um, put it on the Instagram, on the Facebook, we'll have it ac- we'll have it accessible everywhere for anyone who wants to sign. And this p- petition is calling on Colorado Gov- Governor Jared Polis to allow the DNA evidence to be released by the Boulder to be released by the Boulder Police Department for independent testing. And as of today, when I checked um, earlier, the petition had around 32,366 out of 35,000 signatures. So it's almost there. And so it's almost there. And a difference when it does get there. And if anyone does want to sign it um, to kind of, I suppose, hopefully help get justice for this sweet little girl, um, we will have it accessible to everyone on every form of social media that we have. And if it's not there by the time this case is up, then that just means that they obviously reach the signatures. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about it then. Yeah. Um, but I will be scheduling the post prior to it being posted, obviously, so the link will be attached anyway when yeah. the time comes. Um, so you can follow yeah. the link and you will see if the petition has... And I think normally even when they reach them, sometimes you can still sign it so that they have yeah. even more. Extra so signatures, yeah. Um, so yeah um, now this part is probably the longest part of the whole thing because um, okay. it's investigation time right I'm going to get comfy um, in, the seat's back as far as it'll go yeah me a minute ago um, <coughs> initially detectives were focused on John and Patsy Ramsey as their prime suspects after all the ransom note was strange and John Bonet had been killed in her own home it is said that the Boulder that Boulder police brushed aside thousands of leads that came in and dismissed the possibility that an intruder had gotten into the house and committed the murder. They leaked information to the media, sometimes completely fabricated information. What the fuck? Charges of pornography and sexual abuse. What the fuck? All to put pressure on the Ramseys because in their minds it had to be them that were responsible for the murder. They had pure and utter tunnel vision and they just neglected every yeah. other aspect and lead and potential... Suspect. They were like, we're right, regardless. We're of, right, you're yeah. all wrong. We've yeah. made a decision. Linwood, the attorney for the Ramsey family, said, you couldn't go to buy groceries for your family without passing headlines that said that John Ramsey had molested his first daughter. Absolutely false. Headlines that John and Patsy were pornographers. Absolutely false. And headlines that they were devil worshippers. Absolutely false. Isn't it mad that like the media could get away with things like this? And it's But like, I suppose it's easier for them to get away when, they're, when their contact is the, the police. police. <laughs> Um, but I do personally, from my own experiences with um, the media, um, they do tend to like try and find something juicy for a story. Like when my, my right, so lads, my cousin passed away a couple of years ago, right? Uh, his name was Michael, and um, I was in college at the time. So this is going back, but hang on, now let me do some maths. About seven or eight years, and when I was a kid, my cousin now. Before I tell you this story, okay, my cousin was an absolute 
gentle giant is what we used to call him because he was really tall. He was quite a big guy and he was just a re- he was really, really kind and really sweet and really caring. But when I was a kid, he broke into a church. <laughs> and I, I was at my grandmother's house the day the guards came. So this was like, um, I don't know, was it a couple of days or a couple of weeks after he'd broken into the church and um, the guards came to the door. I was at my Nana's house and Nana spoke to the guards and I think she told them that he wasn't there, but he was there. And then she waited till the guards came and he was, I think me and Michael were sat in the kitchen and Nana came in and she goes, Michael. She waited till the guards were gone, did you mean? Yeah, she waited till the guards were gone, sorry. And she walked into the kitchen and she goes, Michael. Did you break into the Lord's house? The Lord's. Because my grandmother was religious, very right. Catholic. Um, and then I'm pretty sure she battered him with a stick. <laughs> <laughs> but when he passed away, he passed away in an off in a, a tragic accident. And um, the I remember like the local newspaper brought it up in the article that they ran about him that he had broken into the church. And I remember the whole family was so angry because like... What's that got to do with anything? It had nothing to do with who he was as a person. It was one silly thing he did when he was younger. It was just something to fill the article. Um, But then my uncle, his dad, um, when he was putting the grave, the headstone in at the grave, um, they put a stained glass window, a small little stained glass window in the headstone. (laughs) And I don't know if he did that because of what Michael had done or what, but I just thought it was... So funny. Um, and they also put the Man United crest on his headstone because he was a big Man U fan. So, had to be done. So there you go, lads. My cousin broke into a church. That's so <laughs> funny, like. Did you break uh, into the Lord's house? Yeah. Um, so, um, I find anyway that honestly... Um, it's disgraceful and unjust of the police to leak such a false information with no real evidence Absolutely. either to say that any of the Ramsey were responsible for the murder in like, the first isn't that, place. Isn't that um, slander on the police's part and then it's libel on the newspaper's part? I believe so, but there is lawsuits coming up later. Okay. Fantastic. Um, Fantastic. Get your justice, guys. And so, like, you know, like the fact that they did nothing to say that the Ramseys were actually responsible apart from hearsay and speculation and, and their own opinions. And their tunnel vision. Yeah. Um, and even if they were responsible for leaking false information to that degree, it's not going to serve anyone. Um, there's no semblance of due process or innocent until proven um, guilty with the police department, with the, how the police department is acting here, and it's disgusting. Mm. Um, over time, the list of persons of interest increased, um, and there was more than 1,600 names by October of 1997. Jesus. Um, there were many errors made during the initial investigation, such as the body of John Bonet being moved from where she was found in the basement up to the living room by John Ramsey. And obviously, I'm not judging. Of course, you wouldn't be thinking clearly at all if you mm-hmm. just found the dead body of your child however this movement of the body would have disturbed evidence at the scene and potentially hindered the investigation to some extent well I mean if the police were investigating in the first place it would have yeah however had officer French checked that area of the basement this could have been prevented Um, there was the friend I mentioned earlier in the case who began cleaning the kitchen and wiping down counters with cleaning spray Mm -hmm. which could easily have also destroyed evidence if there was any present in the kitchen Uh, this could have been avoided had the whole house been cordoned off and not just John Bonet's bedroom Um, Sloppy work. Officers on the scene did make serious and irreversible mistakes that could have been resulted that could have resulted in the contamination or even destruction of crucial evidence. Um, in March of 1997, retired Colorado Springs Police Detective Lou Smith came out of retirement to join the Boulder team working on the case. Um, Detective Smith worked the case from March of 1997 until September of 1998. Detective Smith believed that it was likely an intruder had broken in and killed John Bonet. There were faint markings on a suitcase under a broken basement window and on the wall under the window 
uh, which could be footprints. Yeah, from someone climbing in or yeah. out or in and, and out. And that's exactly what Smith proposed. He said that an intruder could have put his foot against the wall to steady himself while crawling through the window. Um, Why didn't Officer Vetch see that? Do you know what I mean? Because he might not have seen behind that door, but he saw the wind. He saw the basement, yeah. like. And there were also peanut-shaped packing foam material and leaves found in the basement that could have tra- been tracked inside by someone who'd entered via the broken basement mm-hmm. window. Um, there were fibres on a metal baseball bat that was found outside the Ramsey home, and the fibres matched the carpet found in the basement near the storage room where John Bonet's body was found. So that could have been what she was hit with. Possibly. Um, DNA evidence from John Bonet's fingernails and underwear indicated that her attacker was male. Mm-hmm. Marks on John Bonet's face and back could have been made by a stun gun. Arafo County Coroner Michael Doberson said that after examining Smith's photos of the wounds, he agreed that a stun gun could have been used to subdue John Bonet. However, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner noted that there is evidence contradicting the use of a stun gun. How, although I have not seen anything about this supposed evidence yeah. of contradicting the stun gun. Um, and to be honest, in this whole case, I don't really take much heat of anything the Boulder Police Department have to say because they're clearly They're clearly in- incompetent. Yeah. Um, and um, as well, a stun gun would explain why John Bonet didn't like scream or cry out or anything if she had maybe gone downstairs for a snack and come across the yeah. intruder. He, he <laughs> could have zapped her before she had a chance to even utter a word. Exactly. Um, a neighbour of the Ramsey family had reported being woken up at around midnight on the night of the murder and hearing a piercing scream. The Ramseys had said they did not hear anything unusual that night, so a series of tests were done in the house. The conclusion was that a person screaming in the basement could be heard more easily outside of the house than on the third level of the house where the bedrooms were. That would make sense, I suppose, and if the window was broken, the sound would have travelled out yeah. of the window. Yeah, uh, which to me indicates it is very possible that an intruder is to blame for the murder, but sadly the scream of John Bonet wouldn't have been loud enough to wake anyone who was in bed in the house. Yeah. Um, in April of 1997, Alex Hunter, who was then the Boulder District Attorney, publicly identified John and Pat Ramsey as the main focus of the investigation, uh, and John and Patsy obviously maintained their innocence. Um, in June of 1997, the Ramsey family moved out of Boulder and into a house in the suburbs of Atlanta. Um, I also would not want to stay in the house my child was murdered in, and with the way the Boulder Police Department and District Attorney was treating them, I also would not want to remain in Boulder if I was them, mm-hmm. innocent or guilty. Yes. Uh, which, so far, in my opinion, after hearing Detective Smith's theory and evidence, I'm inclined to believe the Ramsey family were not responsible for the death of John Bonet. Um, I'm very much on the side of the intruder theory. I would be as well. Um, in July of 1997, portions of John Bonet's autopsy report was released to the public. Now, obviously, I've already said all the autopsy report, but mm-hmm. anywho. Um... So, yeah, July 1997, portions of John Bonet's autopsy were released to the public and more of the autopsy was published in August of 1997. However, like I said, I'm not going to say any more on that because I've already covered that. Yeah. Um, in August of 1998, Detective Steve Thomas of the Boulder Police Department, who had been on leave since late June of 1998, tendered his resignation from the department and accused the district's attorney office of sacrificing procedure for politics. I think I speak about him later, actually. Um, the name is familiar. In Steve's letter, he accused the district attorney's office of ignoring evidence that had been collected by investigators, blocking police efforts to subpoena the parents' telephone and credit card records, and improperly sharing details of the case with, Rams- with the Ramsey family lawyers. Now, one thing I will say about that is, to me, I don't see why evidence for a subpoena... Um, I don't see enough evidence for a subpoena of telephone and credit card records to be granted anyway. Yeah. As for his other reasons, I can't comment. I wasn't there. But part of this resignation seems a bit like a child throwing a strop because they're not yeah. getting their way. 
as we know the Boulder Police Department had it out for John and Patsy Ramsey they had decided despite lack of evidence and some evidence pointing towards being an intruder that they were the guilty ones exactly um, a grand jury was being convened to begin in September of 1998 to consider indicting the Ramseys for charges relating to the case um, as prosecutors are building their case against the Ramseys, multiple people with doubts about the Ramseys' guilt came forward and asked for the opportunity to testify, the most vocal being Detective Lou Smith. Detective Smith quit in protest when the grand jury was formed. He had concluded that an intruder had killed John Bonet and would no longer take part in, now this is my own phrasing, would no longer take part in the witch hunt against the Ramseys when he believed them to be innocent. Mm-hmm. Um, in September of 1998, Boulder County Grand Jurors began their investigation into the murder of John Bonet. They learned of forensic evidence, including analysis of handwriting as well as DNA and hair and fibres found at the scene about a month into the investigation. Uh, the Grand Jurors uh, toured the Ramsey home at the end of October 1998. In April of 1999, a six-month extension of the Grand Jury's investigation was granted. In August of 1999, Thomas C. Miller, a Boulder, uh, a Boulder lawyer who allegedly offered a handwriting expert $30,000 for a copy of the Ramsey ransom note. As you do. Yeah, was indicted on bribery charges. <laughs> Authority said that the Miller was trying to, was buying the note on behalf of a quote-unquote large corporation, possibly a tabloid newspaper. Mm-hmm. Probably. Um... In October of 1999, Alex Hunter, the district attorney, we already mentioned him, but he was still district attorney at this time, announced that the grand jury had completed its work and um, that his team did not think it had sufficient evidence to warrant the filing of charges. I could have told them that without the grand jury, but anyway. While the grand jury indictment showed that the Ramseys um, were being charged with child endangerment resulting in her death and obstruction of a murder investigation. They went to sleep at night time. Yeah. In their own home. They were never prosecuted due to said lack of evidence. So let's just make it clear. They wanted to go after the Ramseys for anything they could, but did not have the evidence to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the Ramseys were involved or guilty of anything. I don't see how they endangered their child if it was an intruder that broke in. Yeah. And also how they obstructed the investigation when the police officer, when if the police officers had done a better job, the whole house would have been cordoned off, not just the bedroom of John Bonet. And if everywhere had been searched properly, it would have been a police officer who had found the body. Therefore, John Ramsey would not have found the body and moved it. However, the grand jury's verdict to indict wasn't actually public knowledge until October of 2013, when Jesus previously Christ. sealed court documents were released. So nobody actually knew that they had intended on doing that, um, that those indictments until, until well 2013. After the fact. Exactly. Um, now, on March the 1st of 2000, the Ramseys provided their account of the death of John Bonet in a book titled The Death of Innocence The Untold Story of John Bonet's Murder and How Its Exploitation Compromised the Pursuit of Truth. On the 14th of March 2000, John and Patsy Ramsey said that they believe an intruder might have waited for hours in their home before strangling their daughter. The Ramseys asked investigators to look to their inner circle to find her killer, such as someone who was familiar with the family and may have been a paedophile. Mm-hmm. Um, possible. Exactly, especially with her being a pageant. I was just going to say, yeah. um, the, the um, like child beauty pageants do draw a lot of fucking yeah. crazy. And that's not on the people that are hosting no. them and that's not on the parents that, you know, decide to do it. It's, it's just something to be aware who are of. Fucking freaks Fucked and decide up. that yeah. I'm gonna go watch this pageant because I like it and my rocks after little kids. Like that's fucking Exactly. Do you know, I'm so it's always something to be extra cautious of and be extra vigilant about if yeah. you're in that line of I suppose hobby, work, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. If you're into um, pageantry. 
There we go, that's the word. Uh, i putting fake tan on your child. Yeah. <laughs> on May 31st, 2000, John and Patsy Ramsey, as well as former police, um, Boulder police detective Steve Thomas, appeared on CNN's Larry King Live. <gasps> they went on Larry King? Oh, pain in my heart. Um, <laughs> oh, I can breathe, I swear. Um, oh. Okay, it's gone. Patsy tells uh, Steve Thomas that he is, quote, going... Yeah, Patsy tells Steve Thomas that he is, quote, going down the wrong path, unquote, with allegations that she had killed John Bonnet in an explosive encounter over a bedwetting incident. Yep. To me, this man just really sounds like someone who refuses to be wrong. Yeah. I think he's really grasping at straws to prove the Ramseys were responsible for the death of John Bonnet, even if they weren't. Um, in December of 2002, um, Mary Lacey now led the Boulder County District Attorney's Office and takes over the John Bonnet investigation from Boulder Police. As far as I'm concerned, it's about time someone took it from the Boulder Police. Yep. They're clearly too biased, and I believe their opinions were not helping the investigation at all. I'm going to say it. They are incompetent twits. Wankers. Um, and at 30, on the 31st of March 2003, a libel lawsuit that was brought against the Ramses by... Brought against the Ramses. What? By journalist, I was about to say, yeah, on you go. By journalist Chris Wolfe, who was briefly a suspect, was dismissed. A federal judge said that the evidence in the suit was more consistent with a theory of an intruder murdered John Bonnet than it was with a theory that Mrs. Ramsey did it. Now, I don't really know much about that suit, but look into it. I don't know why he even thought that was a good idea. I'm going to sue them for libel. Yeah, and the 7th of... Oh, because of their book. Oh, yes, he, they he did mentioned the book. them they did. in his book that I mentioned a while ago. Yeah. In in their own book, they mentioned him. I'm assuming, um, because of the fact he was a suspect at some point or the yeah. other. So he was suing for being mentioned in the book. I think. But it's only but, libel if it's not true. Exactly. It's and the same with slander. Like slander is um, verbally damaging someone's reputation. Whereas it was true that he was a suspect, and from then, what I gather. Yeah, so and therefore, then libel, it's not libel is um, like using writing. To dis- um, destroy someone's reputation through false yeah. accusations and false claims. I'm on the seventh of April, two thousand and three. District Attorney Mary Lacey agrees with the judge's assessment that it was, you know, the evidence points to someone breaking in. Mm-hmm. I'm on the twenty third of June, two thousand and three. Investigator Tom Bennett is hired by the Boulder District. Investigator is hired by the Boulder District Attorney's Office to work twenty to thirty hours a week on the John Bonnet Ramsey investigation. In December of 2003, District Attorney Mary Lacey confirms that DNA from a spot of blood from John Bonnet's underwear has been entered into the FBI National Database. Um, the DNA, which investigators said, is from a male who is not a member of the Ramsey family. According to Lynn Wood, the attorney for the Ramsey family, um, it's the, quote, single most important piece of evidence in the case, unquote, and I would be inclined to agree with that. Yes. How would DNA of someone who was not a member of the Ramsey family get on John Bonnet's underwear if they were not an intruder responsible for her death or putting their hands and whatnot in areas that they should not be? Yes. Um, and also, if like if it was the Ramseys, where the fuck are they going to get someone else's blood? You know what I mean. And that would mean it would have been extremely premeditated. Yeah. Which even if they weren't responsible, I couldn't see it being that premeditated. No. Um. On the 1st of February 2006, John and Patsy Ramsey met with Mary Lacey in Boulder to check in on the status of the investigation. On the 24th of June 2006, at 49 years old, Patsy Ramsey passed away due to ovarian cancer and she was buried next to John Bonnet in Marietta, Georgia. It is said that Patsy was fighting hard to stay alive as she wanted to see the person who had murdered John Bonnet captured. Mm-hmm. 
On the 16th of August 2006, um, 41-year-old John Mark Carr, an American school teacher who confessed to accidentally killing John Bonet after he had drugged and sexually assaulted her, is arrested in Bangkok, Thailand in connection with her death. The Boulder District Attorney's Office said that the arrest followed a several-month investigation during which John and Patsy Ramsey had been consulted. Um, on the 28th of August 2006, DA Mary Lacey announced that DNA tests showed that John Mark Kerr's genetic profile does not match that of the unidentified male DNA found in John Bonet's underwear and abandoned any plans to prosecute him in the death of John Bonet. On top of that, as I said earlier, the autopsy had shown no drugs or alcohol in John Bonet's system, despite Carr's claims that he drugged her. Mm-hmm. And they could not prove that Carr was in Boulder at that time either. Um, John Carr, however, is re-arrested the same day and faces extradition to Sonoma County in California on child pornography charges. However, on the 5th of October 2006, the Sonoma County child pornography case against John Carr is dismissed due to lack of evidence. Um, on the 9th of July 2008, Mary Lacey makes a letter she has written to John Ramsey public. The letter explains a new DNA test in the case have convinced her that no member of the Ramsey family should remain, quote, under any suspicion in the commission of this crime, unquote, and that her office now intended, quote, in the future to treat you as the victims of this crime with the sympathy due you because of the horrific loss you suffered, unquote. Now, um, then on the 2nd of February 2009, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner and the new Boulder District Attorney Stan Garnet, or Garnet um, announced that the Boulder Police Department is taking the Ramsey investigation back from the District Attorney's office. Police Why? Chief, Yeah. Police Chief Mark Beckner also announces the formation of a new task force to take a fresh look at the case. I think this might be like what you mentioned a while ago. Um, the task force is to include representatives from the FBI, Colorado Bureau of Investigation and the Colorado Attorney's General, Attorney General's Office. However, Stan Garnett found that the statute of limitations for the crimes identified in the 1999 Grand Jury True Bill had expired and not pursue and had expired and he did not pursue review of the case against the Ramses. So the likes of child endangerment yeah. and that bollocks. But, um, All the bullshit. In September of 2010, reports surfaced that as part of a plan to take a fresh look at the Ramsey case, police wanted to re-interview Burke Ramsey, John Bonet's brother, who was nine years old at the time of her murder. Lynn Wood, the Ramsey family attorney, confirms a detective met with Burke, gave him a business card and said, quote, if you want to talk to us, here's how you would contact me, unquote. Okay. I, well, I, I wouldn't want to, um... On the 21st of July 2011, John Ramsey gets remarried to 53-year-old Las Vegas designer Jan Rousseau. Um, the wedding is a private ceremony in Charlevoix, Michigan. Don't know if I'm pronouncing any of that right. Um, on the 14th of March 2012, John Ramsey publishes his book, The Other Side of Suffering. The father of John Bonet Ramsey tells the story of his journey from Greece to Greece. From grief to grace. Oh my God, Josh. No involving grace. Um... Then on the 14th of June 2012, James Kohler, who had worked as an investigator in the district attorney's office under Mary Lacey, publishes his book, Foreign Faction, Who Really Kidnapped John Bonet, in which he cast a doubt on the involvement of an intruder and argued that each member of the Ramsey family in the house, quote, may have been involved at least as an accessory after the fact, unquote. Mm-hmm. And yet the DNA does not match. Yeah. 
In September 2016, Boulder Police Chief Greg Testa, so they have a new chief now, obviously, described the John Bonnet Ramsey investigation as an open case with investigators from the department's major crimes unit still assigned in an ongoing effort to bring justice for John Bonnet. Chief Testa said, um, they were, quote, they receive an... They receive and evaluate information on a regular basis. I think this is what you said. But anyway, I'll just say it again anyway. <laughs> Our goal continues to be an arrest with successful and successful prosecution, which is why we will not discuss or release details or evidence in this investigation. Chief Testy gave an update to the amount of work that has gone into mm -hmm. uh, the probe, saying, um, which I'm pretty sure is, this is literally what you said earlier, um, about how to date the Boulder Police Department has processed more than 1,500 yeah. pieces of evidence, including the analysis of 200 DNA samples. Um, the major crime unit has received and reviewed um, reviewed or investigated over 20,000 um, tips. I said tops. Tips, letters or emails are detected have travelled to over 18 states and interviewed or spoken with more than 1,000 individuals. Yeah. In 2016, Gordon Coombs, a former investigator for the Boulder County District Attorney's Office, um, however, he never worked directly on the John Bonnet case, um, he, he la, 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 la. Oh, did I write that sentence twice? Yeah, I did. <laughs> but he spoke about his time at the office and his experience there. Mm -hmm. Gordon claims that he was told when he went to the DA's office not to voice uh, against the intruder theory because he may be forced out if he didn't fall in line. That's fucking ridiculous. If he didn't believe... Um, yeah, but he was being told not to voice out against the intruder theory. Yeah, like, don't. Oh, oh! Sorry, I picked you up wrong. I thought he meant speak out, like, in support of it. No, sorry. don't speak out against it. Yeah, sorry. If he didn't day. believe it, to keep his mouth shut. Gordon said it just seemed weird. The whole this, the whole premise of this attempt to influence the entire agency. Now, while I do see how that could be suspicious, I also see how maybe the DA's office were trying their best to give some credit and look into the intruder theory as much as yeah, possible, and especially when given how strongly the Boulder Police Department focused on the Ramsey family yes. as the guilty party. Yes. Is it not possible that the DA's office were just ensuring that the intruder theory wasn't dismissed as quickly as the Boulder Police Department had? dismissed it mm -hmm. um, could it have been some sort of strange cover up or could it have been the DA's attempt to at due process and looking into all angles properly um, now when Stan Garnett was elected to the Bowler DA's office and took over the John Bonnet case Gordon Coombe says that he became aware of a mishandling of DNA testing that quote they had deviated and dropped down to four markers as opposed to the standard usually used in forensic analysis and the standard is normally 13 that's a big drop. So, like, how reliable can that DNA evidence even be? Oh, my God. But anyway, um, Gordon said, we all shed DNA all the time within our skin cells. It can be deposited anywhere at any time for various reasons, reasons that are benign. Um, to clear somebody just on the premise of touch DNA, especially when you have a situation where the crime scene wasn't really secure at the beginning, really is a stretch. Stephen E. Pitt, a forensic psychiatrist who was hired by Boulder Authority, said Lacey's public exoneration of the Ramseys was a big slap in the face to Chief Beckner and the core group of detectives who had been working on the case for years. And that concludes... Good for you, Beckner. You should have investigated properly in the first place. Section. That yeah, was, that's that what was, I thought too. That was really long. Good job. I actually have... 
a pain in my heart and yeah. I don't mean that as in I'm feeling emotional well not that the case isn't emotional but I mean as in I've done so much talking I don't think there's enough oxygen yeah. in my body <laughs> he's gonna die um, so now we are moving on to the theories and suspects so I'm going to be covering the family member theory so the first theory we're going to talk about is the family member theory as I just said sorry and <laughs> this stems largely from the ransom note. The note was very long and was written with a pen and paper from the Ramsey's home and demanded the same amount that John Ramsey had received as a bonus from work that year. This all makes it seem very staged. And in the beginning, the Ramseys appeared to be quite reluctant to cooperate with the police, though they later said that this was because they were afraid the police would not conduct a full and thorough investigation. And they weren't fucking wrong. And would target them as easy suspects. So... I would say those fears were quite justified. Very, very valid. And also, realistically, even if they had anything to do with it, I don't think they'd be stupid enough to write the exact amount of his bonus down. Yeah, like they would They would at least... Write 100,000 down, write 200,000 down, yeah. write three times the amount of the bonus down yeah. so that it couldn't possibly look like you. Exactly. Um, so despite the large pool of suspects, the media did almost immediately focus their attention on the Ramses as suspects and they spent many years under scrutiny and as Josh said, there was false claims, there was false allegations, like they were absolutely hounded, hounded and vilified in the media. Um, in harassed. Harassed, yeah. In 1999, a Colorado grand jury voted to indict the Ramses on child endangerment, endangerment and obstruction of a murder investigation. Um, but as Josh said, the prosecutor felt that the evidence did not meet the standard of beyond a reasonable doubt and so declined to prosecute. John Binet's parents and Bo and her brother have never officially been named as suspects. Now to get into the nitty gritty of what people think might have happened, we'll start with Patsy. So Steve Thomas, who Josh has also mentioned, was a detective on the case for two years and he believes that Patsy strangled John Binet in a panic on the night of December 25th after accidentally causing the skull fracture and that when John realised what had happened, he chose to protect his wife. He believes that Patsy was frazzled by an approaching 40th birthday, the busy holiday, the exhaustion of Christmas Day, Christmas Die, as I wrote, and an argument with John Binet tipped her over the edge. He believes they argued over John Binet wetting the bed, which led to an incident in John Binet's bathroom, which is how she got the wound on her head. But, like, I don't get that. I'm like, does that mean any time a child is murdered at home, you just, you're just going to jump to they must have wet the bed? Because yeah. that's something a child would do. Yeah, like, it is something a child yeah. would do, but, like, it's something a child does fairly frequently. Like, you get used to it. Yeah, and um, eventually they stop. Yeah, um, he claims that Patsy, believing she had just killed her daughter, panicked and wrote the ransom note before bringing her body to the basement. This is where she realised John Binet was still alive and grabbed a paintbrush from her tote bag, made it into a garrote and strangled her, and then she bound her wrists and duct taped her mouth to stage the kidnapping. Now, I personally think, even if she did accidentally cause the head wound, when she got her down to the basement and realised she was alive, would she not have just taken her to the hospital and said she fell? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, you could very easily take her to the hospital and say she fell and her, hit her head on the bathtub or she fell and hit her head on the fire or she fell and hit her head on something. Or she was running and she slipped. I would like to now also point out, stand corrected, that the right word is garage. Mm -hmm. And um, the article I was reading was also spelling it wrong. And because that means something like an attic, word oh. didn't correct me. Yeah, garage. But I still... Because I was thinking, in Teen Wolf, um, when, in season three, um, they're, they're all getting garroted. They're all, get, like, it was the, there was, like, the threefold killing where she would, like, 
bash their head in, slit their throat and garrot them or something. Standard. Standard. Um, so the theory about John Ramsey being the murderer seems to stem from the fact that he moved her body after finding her. But he has said he moved her body because he was hoping she was alive. And from my perspective, he had just found his six-year-old daughter dead on the floor in the basement. He yeah. probably wasn't thinking very clearly and likely wasn't thinking about it being a crime scene or anything to do with evidence in that moment. And the last theory for this section is to do with her older brother Burke killing her and her parents covering it up to protect him. So as Josh mentioned earlier, there was a bowl of pineapple found with Burke's fingerprints on it and John Bonet had pineapple in her stomach. So it's believed that perhaps Burke had been sharing his midnight snack with his sister. And I'd also like to point out as well the fact that they said in the autopsy that it could very well could be, be pineapple. pineapple that yeah. it wasn't definitively said to be. Okay. So like, that's also even... It could have been something it else. It could have been something else. Like it is likely a pineapple. They probably yeah. shared some pineapple pieces yeah. or she took some at some point. But, you know. Um. So it's thought that Burke had been sharing his midnight snack with his sister when she did something that angered him and in a temper tantrum or a fit of rage he accidentally killed her by hitting her on the head with a flashlight yeah that sounds that sounds like that's it mm-hmm. yeah that's the case and his parents how dare stayed... you have three pineapple pieces yeah. I told you you could have two I told you you could have two Jambonet um, so and then his parents staged the ransom and kidnapping story to cover it up and protect him former Boulder police chief Mark police chief Mark Becker who was in charge of the investigation said this on the matter Quote, we know from the evidence she was hit in the head very hard with an unknown unknown object, possibly a flashlight or similar type item. Or the baseball that was outside. The baseball bat. Um, <laughs> yeah, not the baseball, the bat. He yeah. just threw it at her. Um, the blow knocked her into deep unconsciousness, which could have led someone to believe she was dead. The strangulation came 45 minutes to two hours after the head strike based on the swelling on the brain. While the head wound would have eventually killed her, the strangulation actually did kill her. The rest of the scene, we believe, was staged, including the vaginal trauma to make it look like a kidnapping slash assault gone bad. I have avoided saying who I believe is responsible and let the facts speak for themselves. There are several viable theories. So that's him saying that. Like, I'm sorry now. (coughs) Yeah, that's Mark Becker. Well, there's also evidence that's about to contradict half of what he just said. Exciting. I can't wait to hear it. But uh, my opinion on that whole situation is... If it was Patsy and she had given her the head wound, I believe that when she realised she was alive, she would probably have taken her to the hospital or something and just said she fell and hit her head. Yeah. And if it was Burke, like basically no matter what, if it was a family member involved, I personally do not believe that they would go to the extent of... I think it would have been accidental on a hospital trip would have occurred. I don't believe that they would have staged it to such an extent that they caused vaginal trauma to their own child. Yeah, I agree. Like, okay, maybe the ransom note and duct taping her and making it look like a kidnapping. I could see that. I just personally cannot see either of her parents or her nine-year-old brother going to the point of... Kitty fiddling. Of kitty fiddling, yeah. And not only kitty fiddling, deceased kitty fiddling. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think that's just too far of a step for this theory. It's too outlandish Yeah. and too outrageous for me to believe I don't believe in that at all. Um, so that is the family member theory. And then the intruder theory is the only theory that is backed up by any physical evidence that I know of, um, as the family member theory seems mostly full of speculation here, say more than anything else. Um, I mentioned a lot of evidence earlier relating to the intruder theory when I spoke of Detective Lou Smith joining the case mm-hmm. and his findings that pointed towards an intruder being responsible. <laughs> now, to recap on that evidence and potentially mention anything I may have not said earlier, the evidence that points to the intruder theory is as follows. A boot, tr- boot print found next to John Bonet's body that did not belong to anyone in the family. The broken window in the basement, which would likely have been an entry point for the intruder. 
The DNA from drops of blood um, from an unknown male found on John Bonet's underwear. They'd also like to mention that the DNA evidence was not available or known of for the grand jury when they did their investigation. Why not? Um, I just don't think DNA had come far enough yet. Mm, fair enough, yeah. Something along that, because even it wasn't a long time later until even the DA's office got in touch with John yeah, Ramsey to say that they weren't thinking of them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um... The floors of the Ramsey home were heavily carpeted, which would have made it plausible for an intruder to have carried John Bonet downstairs without waking the family. Uh, my own add-on to this is that if I was an, if it wasn't not if I was an intruder, um, if it was an intruder, if I was, the if intruder, I was the intruder, um, if, if I would have left well, the child be. Yeah, I would have just taken some riches and left. Um, if Full it was child, a, I was Santa Claus. Or yeah. Something. It's funny you mention that. Oh God! Oh, the conspiracy! I forgot about that. Um, it's not. Oh no, it's not even a conspiracy. Stop. There's, the, yeah, there's an. Uh, the, it's actually in this section. I'm sure. Okay, continue. Um, so if it was an intruder, and if it was someone the family knew, John Bonet may not have struggled or anything, as she could have trusted the person. Yep. And then obviously heavy carpets. Not going to hear them walking around. The faint markings on a suitcase under the broken basement window and on the wall under the window, which could be footprints. Uh, Smith had proposed that an intruder could have put his foot against the wall to steady himself while crawling through the window. Mm-hmm. The peanut-shaped packing foam um, that I mentioned as well, the material um, and leaves that were found in the basement that could have been tracked inside by someone who had entered via the broken basement window. Mm-hmm. Now, I will add that had the window been broken by any other means and not an intruder, it is surely possible that the packing foam and leaves could have just blown in from a gust of wind or breeze. Mm-hmm. But I how, feel like the Ramses would have mentioned it if they knew that if the they window knew the was, window if was they broken. Knew it was but broken. then again, how often do you go to your basement? Yeah, well, I suppose it, maybe they liked their wine and they were going down and getting a bottle of wine every night. But yeah, it's possible, but they could have kept the wine upstairs as well because in my research, it was just referred to as a storage room, not a wine cellar. Oh. So it could be either or, or maybe they just... I don't, know. I don't know. I think there was a few rooms in the basement, but maybe, like you said, they just didn't use them that often. So, I, you know, they... I, but I do think if they knew that the window was broken, they would have notified police. Yeah, and then I'm like, however, if not an intruder, how did the window get broken and how long was it broken for? How did they not notice? Kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, then, obviously, the fibres on a metal baseball bat that was found outside the Ramsey home and the fibres matched the carpet found in the basement near the storage room where John Bonet's body was found. Mm-hmm. Now, as mentioned earlier, John Kerr was a suspect in the case after admitting to the crime, but there was no evidence that he was responsible or that he was even in Boulder at the time of the murder. His story that he drugged and sexually assaulted John Bonet also didn't make any sense as no drugs were found in her system in the autopsy. Um, Burke Ramsey has never been a suspect in the crime, like officially. Mm-hmm. Um, Burke was interviewed by police and a child psychologist and none of them believed Burke had anything to do with the murder. Mm-hmm. Um, in the months leading up to the murder, there had been over 100 burglaries in the Ramsey's neighbourhood. As Yeah. As well as this, there were dozens of registered sex offenders in the area. Ew. Yeah. Uh, and as John Bonet would have been, um, you know, would have had like a higher profile from being a child beauty pageant participant. Some believe she was more at risk, obviously, of being abducted or, or by a paedophile. It could have been someone that had seen her at a pageant yeah. and figured out where she lived and... Um, now there one minute. The, oh yeah, this is the thing that I was saying contradicts your man saying about um, you know, hit to the head and then strangle later mm-hmm. to make it look. Yeah, there was no evidence of blood splatter found in the Ramsey home, meaning that John Bonet was likely dead or almost dead when the head wound was administered. This contradicts the theory that some people have that strangulation was used as part of a cover up after Burke Ramsey lashed out and fatally struck his sister in the head. The strangulation came first, not so the blow to the head. So it's more likely that. But the that police officer the then was trying to say that the that evidence the, shows yeah, that the blow to he, the head he came first. He straight out lied, like he flat yeah. out lied. So it's more likely that the head wound occurred from maybe her falling to the ground after being strangled and yeah, hit her head on something. Or else someone strangled her and hit her in the head yeah. to finish her off 
after they strangled her, yeah. and that's why there wouldn't be much blood spatter because there wouldn't the blood wouldn't be pumping that as well Becker or anything like needs, that. He should have lost his fucking goddamn job. Yeah. Um, now even the Boulder police who were against the Ramses from the start convinced they had been the even the Boulder police who were against the Ramses from the start convinced that they had been involved could not make a strong enough case to charge them of any crime. John Douglas. Um, an American retired special agent and unit chief in the FBI, as well as being one of the first criminal profilers, mm -hmm. consulted with the Ramsey family and has written that he fully believes that the Ramsey family is innocent. Now, John Douglas is also an author and has written and co-written books on the criminal psych on criminal psychology, true crime novels, his and his own biography. Um, the book Mindhunter inside the FBI elite serial crime unit. He co-wrote that with Ooh. Mark Olashacker. Old Shacker even. And if you're not familiar with the book, you may be familiar with the Mindhunter Netflix original series based yes. on it. Um, so this man knows his shit. He knows his shit. Uh, John Douglas's theory about what happened to John Bonnet and profile of the perpetrator is as follows. John Bonnet's Rams John Bonnet Ramsey's killer was a white male, relatively young, who had a personal grudge against John Ramsey and intended to carry it out by defiling and robbing him of the most valuable thing in the world to him. He entered the house while the family was out, either through the basement or with one of the many unaccounted for keys to the Ramsey home, carrying with him a stun gun, a roll of duct tape and a spool of cord. His intention was to incapacitate her, abduct her and molest her. The ransom demand was an afterthought and could explain why it was written on materials found in the home. He had I feel like, um, sorry, just to interject, I feel like a younger perpetrator would tie in with... Um, I saw with the ransom note there was like some movie references. Yes, one of I them was that. to I think a movie called Speed, and the other one I think was to Pulp Fiction, but I'm not sure. I didn't write it down, but yeah, I feel like that would tie in with like a younger guy who's maybe into his movies and yeah, do you know, like not like not not young, young, but not old. Yeah, somewhere yeah. like yeah, um, do 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 do. Oh yeah, he had no intention on collecting such a low sum. He was just trying to make a point and possibly cast suspicion on the Ramses. It's also possible he had already written a shorter and more sus more succinct. succinct ransom note, but that given the amount of time he had to himself, he wrote a longer one. Just while waiting. Out of boredom, I suppose. He went up to John Bonnet's room, incapacitated her with an air taser stun gun, which uh, would not have made much noise, taped her mouth shut and then took her downstairs. He began strangling her either during or right after molestation, and whether he meant to or not caused her death. When he realised what he had done, he finished the job with a quick blow to the head, and instead of taking her, he fled the house in panic. And that's the end of his profile okay. kind of thing. Um, now, one of the early... Here comes Santa Claus. Um, here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. Right one of the Santa early Santa. persons of interest was Bill McReynolds. Bill was a colourful local character who had a long white beard and he visited homes around Boulder, Colorado, dressed as Father Christmas. Huh. Bill had attended a party at the Ramsey's home days before John Bonnet was reported missing on December 26, 1996. In archive footage, Bill is shown te um, telling a TV interviewer, all children are special to Santa. Okay, Bill. Well, that's kind of, I suppose, a normal thing to say in character. We'll get over that part. And this is the part where it starts to go a bit weird for me. She just happened to be extra special to me. Bill! She was very thoughtful, a very caring little girl, and actually she gave Santa a present, and you can imagine how rare that is. Now, Bill died in 2002, but family friends said that Bill had struck up a friendship with John Bonnet, and he allegedly handed John Bonnet a note found in her bin saying that she would receive a special gift after Christmas. 
Mm. One detail that is quite crazy is that Bill and his wife Janet were involved in a very similar incident 22 years earlier when their daughter was abducted on December 26, 1974 and saw a friend being sexually assaulted. Um, Janet McReynolds wrote a play in 1978 based on the real-life murder of an Indianapolis 16-year-old who was molested and tortured before her body was left in the basement. Bill? Yeah. Now, Bill had adored John Bonet, who had given him vials of gold glitter that he took with him when he had a heart surgery, and he described John Bonet as pensive, almost retiring. She's six. And I don't understand that either, because I'm pretty sure one of them... It means kind of like shy and stuff like that. But she's pensive. described as outgoing and things like yeah, that. Yeah, like pensive is someone who's quite like, I think, Humble, shy, introverted. But she's thoughtful. clearly not. Like she's, no, she's very thoughtful, outgoing. fair enough. Yeah, but like she's more of an outgoing but she's more child. Outgoing. I she's like she's quiet, yeah. type. You know, it can also, really, she's six. And she's a beauty queen. Like she yeah. has to be, you know, outgoing and yeah, stuff. Yeah, she has to have a bubbly person. Well, she doesn't have to have a bubbly personality, but, but she's helps. described as having a bubbly personality. Yeah. Um, Bill had also said at one point I felt very close to that little girl I don't really have any other children that I have this special relationship with not even my own children or my own grandchildren see that's weird like I was thinking okay maybe uh, maybe he just views her as like a granddaughter but like you have them you have them yeah uh, and that's what I said as well you I find that own. an extremely strange thing to say about such a young child especially yeah. when they're not even your own family like was he DNA tested do you know Um, I believe so Um, and the cherry on top oh of this creepy cake for me was Bill saying, when I die, I'm going to be cremated. I've asked my wife to mix the stardust John Bonet gave me with my ashes. We're going to go up behind the cabin here and have it blow away in the wind. Okay. Now, actually, when I first saw that and put it down in my research, I did think that was really, really strange. But now, actually, going over it again, I'm kind of thinking... Well, actually, John Bonet is also dead, so maybe he just means it in a tribute kind of a way. Yeah. So that, but I, well, I still do find his phrasing and the way he says things very it's strange. The way so he far. talks, the way he talks, and then the fact creepy. that there was the past experience thing with the daughter and the play, the play based on that, I just think wrote. that's very weird. Yeah. Um. Do you know, now, I mean, of course, it is a possibility that he did just have some sort of innocent bond and friendship with John Bonet, but I find it hard to believe that it was innocent. I just found the whole thing. Strange. Unnerving. Yeah, unnerving. Um, That's the word. And I will say as well, like, I, I think even if he was not involved in John Bonet's murder, I feel like he might have been grooming. Yeah. That it is a possibility that whether he ever intended to do anything like molest or murder, I don't know. But, but it just, I it do seems... feel like some of the phrasing does seem very grooming yeah, like, to me. Yeah, it's odd. Like, yeah. Um, now, Bill and Janet gave hair and handwriting samples to police, so I suppose hair would do DNA, wouldn't it? Yeah. And handwriting samples to the police, but they were never formally linked to the murder. After speculation of their possible involvement in the case, they quietly moved to Cape Cod. They were like, mm, no. no. Now, I do think it is very likely that if Bill, play, if Bill played a role in the death of John Bonet, um, or if there was anything predatory going on that his wife Janet knew. Yeah. I think that if they have any involvement, it was it was as a pair and not just Bill. That's yes. my opinion based on what I've read in my research. It's not fact. Um, now, among among the first suspects as well as Bill um, was the Ramsey's housekeeper, Linda Hoffman Pugh, and her husband, Marvin. 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 Marvin! Fred Patterson from the Boulder Police Department told of how the housekeeper had asked Patsy to borrow $2,000 shortly before Christmas. 
Uh, Linda and Mervyn would obviously have known the house, so it would have been possible to go to the house and take Bonnet without there being a disturbance. Mm-hmm. And she might have had a key being the housekeeper. Exactly. Um, police found the same brand of duct tape that was used to cover Bonnet's mouth in the Pew's home. Okay. Bit weird, but you know, a lot of people have duct tape, so I wouldn't weigh too much on it. Yeah. Um, Linda pointed the finger at Patsy Ramsey in a dramatic book, which actually defied Colorado's rules that forbid witnesses from repeating what they had said before a grand jury. Um, Linda, who had testified in 1999, said that the jury focus was mostly on Bonnet's mother. Linda said it was almost all about Patsy, down to the underwear she had purchased from Bloomingdale's. They wanted to know how she related to Bonnet. I felt in my heart they were going to indict Patsy. Um... You're not supposed to talk about that outside Grand Jury, love, but... Come on, Linda. But I, Which is why I find her a little bit sus, because I'm like, you're going out of your way to break rules and regulations yeah. set in place by the Grand Jury and to, Colorado. To try and deflect To suspicion. try and deflect and point suspicion onto, onto Patsy. Patsy. So, mm, and like, do you genuinely think that? Do you genuinely believe that? Like, what's the story here? Or are you trying to turn it away from yourself and your partner? But what's going on? Yeah. Just a bit weird. Why are you being sus, Linda? Yeah. Um, Linda had told the grand jury that Patsy had gotten moody before Christmas of 1996. Um, she said, I think she had multiple personalities. She'd be in a good mood and then she'd be cranky. Right, well, first of all, that's not what multiple personalities no, is. No, that's but anyway. just the human experience. Um, she got into arguments with John Bonnet about wearing a dress or about a friend coming over. I had never seen Patsy so upset. I don't believe Patsy meant to kill her. I truly believe it was an accident that just continued. Um, and, and then that's the end of what she said. Okay. Now, is that's it, what she said. What, what I'm saying is, is it not normal to some extent to be moody before Christmas if you're trying yeah. to get everything organised and ready and, especially when and you've you're got getting kids. stressed? Like, especially when you've got kids. Like, Christmas is a whole yeah. different ball game exactly. when you've got kids. And Makes you, me glad I don't have kids. <laughs> Honest to God. Yeah. And John Bonet did pageants, so would it not be normal to have the occasional disagreement about dresses and outfits? Of course. And arguments about a friend coming over, that's also fairly obvious, or normal too, was it not? You know, trying yeah. to want someone to come over and not allowed over right now, maybe later. Uh, giving no, out, no, and then I want to see my friend now. Yeah, that, is that not normal? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I would say that's all kind of family like, behaviour. Why is the housekeeper, their own housekeeper, trying to make Patsy out to be this crazy, unstable woman when everything she's described to try and back up this point is normal parenting stuff? Linda, you're sauce as fuck, yeah. bitch. Now, like... I think the extent that the housekeeper went to make Patsy sound like the perpetrator, I find that suspicious. Yes. Everything she said about arguments and being moody sounds like a normal family to me. There's going to be arguments in a family. That doesn't mean Patsy or any of the Ramsey family killed John Bonnet. Now, Linda claims it was accidental if Patsy killed John Bonnet, but then also in the same breath, um, it makes what I would consider to be normal disagreements between a mother and daughter sound like motive for murder or accidental yeah, death. Yeah, and as, as well, JonBenet was six. Like, six-year-olds do not understand no a lot of the time. You know, you have to reinforce it quite yeah, a bit. Yeah, like, if she wanted a friend over and her mother was like, mm, not right now or not today, like, she wasn't going to fucking accept that. She's They're six. very... Kids more live in the moment more than any adult. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so, the like, end you're of the saying world you can't her. see your friend until tomorrow feels like a millennia. Yeah, it's the end of the world. <laughs> like, you know... Um, but yeah, I don't buy it. I don't know if I would say Linda and her partner were involved in the murder of John Bonnet, but I do think something's not right with her testimony. Um, another suspect was a fifty was fifty two year old Gary Oliver, or Oliver, whatever, who was arrested on child pornography in June of two thousand and sixteen. Um, hundreds of DNA tests have failed to find a match, but the sample may not mean as much as we think. Top forensics have claimed that DNA could have been left on the underwear even during manufacture. 
Obviously, forensic scientists know a shitload more than me, but it blows my mind that that's possible. Yeah, but I do feel like, um, like, I feel like someone would have noticed the blood on the underwear before John Bonet put it on. Yeah, but then again, maybe the blood. Do you know? Like, I think that I think that um, that information on thing isn't necessarily about the blood. I think it's more so about touch DNA. Oh, on the long johns. Yes. But I mean, that could also have been from like her her dad when he picked her up. But I know but his it could DNA also was be about underwear as well. Um, <coughs> but it might not be to do with the blood. I'm not 100 percent sure of the specifics on that. Okay. Um, but also I do find the DNA. I don't know if they'll ever find a match from that DNA simply yeah. because of the fact of four strains, yeah. not thirteen. Yeah. And like now maybe that's only because of how much they could recover. That's not on them. Yeah, exactly. Unless there was a choice made to run it that way and not mm. the normal Which way, would not then that is me on with them. The Boulder Police Department, to be honest. Um, so my last section is something Josh has kind of mentioned already, so I'll keep it very brief. Um, my next section as well, but the last one is quite fairly short as well. So in 2006, John Mark Carr, who I have I have also seen referred to by the name Alexis Voich, I think. It's something starting with a V. Um, I don't know if John Mark Carr was transitioning or just what the story there is be identified as a, a female or what but i just if you're doing your own uh kind of deep dive into this case you will see him referred to as alexis at some points and i will be using he him pronouns um for the because, sake of the for, case for the sake of the case just because this is a um referring to him as john mark carr and so, i didn't know that at all yeah, I came up when I was researching him for my false confession section. So, John Carr was arrested in Thailand and extradited to the US to face charges regarding child pornography. Oh, I didn't know there was a false confession section. I didn't pay attention. I wouldn't yeah. have even mentioned him if I yeah. realised. Um, so, Carr had gotten himself caught by reaching out to Michael Tracy, who you mentioned earlier, a professor at the University of Colorado Boulder. Michael was making a documentary on the John Bonet case. Did I mention him? You have mentioned Michael Tracy, you have. Are you sure? Yes. Yes, I'm sure. Um, and Carr had begun sending Michael emails, which very quickly took a sickening turn, <laughs> leading Michael to notify the police, which in turn led to Carr being arrested in Bangkok. He was flown to Boulder and questioned, at which point he confessed to John Bonet's murder and spoke about several diary entries that had, according to him, been written from the scene of the crime. And in one entry, he stated he had strangled the young child in, quote, a love game gone wrong. She was six. Yeah, love game. Six. Mm-hmm. Six. Oh, and also, I, I was just checking to make sure. I mentioned Michael Doberson, oh, not Tracy. Sorry. A coroner. Because oh, yeah. I was like, I was like, fuck, did I just like disassociate for a whole part of my research? Um, but yeah, so Michael Tracy was making a documentary um, and I confused him with Michael Dobson. Um, so in one entry where he refers to himself as Daxus, he wrote, quote, close your pretty eyes, sweetheart. Daxus loves you so much. Oh God, I love you, John Bonet, and my lover's eyes are slowly closing. That is disgusting. No oh, my face. But like, I don't understand why you would even make that up. So it's very clear that this is a sick individual, but DNA testing cleared him of the murder and it's believed that he confessed to the crime either to gain notoriety and out of a pathological need for attention or because he was delusional had and had been obsessed with the case leading to him genuinely believing that he had done it. He convinced himself yeah. and had some sort of break he, he, that led him to believe that it was him. Gaslit okay. himself. Yeah. I'm going to start gaslighting you. Okay. Okay what? Okay to gaslighting. What gaslighting? The gaslighting you're doing right now. Josh, I would never gaslight you. That's a horrible thing to accuse me of. Well, look. 
accusation done. Deal with it, you mm-hmm. gaslighting bitch. Oh my god, that's a horrible accusation to make. Continue. It's actually quite funny that you're on about horrible accusations to make and I'm about to go on to the defamation. Oh yes, <laughs> go on, get into the nitty gritty. So, starting in 1999, Lynn Wood, the Ramsey's family attorney, who I've mentioned multiple times, filed defamation lawsuits against multiple people and companies that had reported on the case. They sued Star Magazine and its parent company, American Media Incorporated, mm-hmm. on behalf of their son in 1999. Um, defamation suits were filed by the Ramseys and their friends against several unnamed media outlets also. In 2001, a defamation suit was filed against the authors and publishers of and publisher, sorry, of John Bonet inside the Ramsey murder investigation. The suit was against Don Davis, Stephen Thomas and St. Martin's Press. The suit was settled out of court in 2002. Um, John and Patsy Ramsey were, su- were sued, they were sued, mm-hmm. in... Two defamation lawsuits as a result of the publication of their book, The Debt of Innocence. Um, these lawsuits were brought against the Ramseys by two people who were named in the book who were said to have been investigated by Boulder Police as suspects in the case. Lynn Wood and three other Atlanta attorneys, James C. Rawls, Eric P. Schroeder and Derek Bauer, defended John and Patsy Ramsey in these lawsuits and they got both lawsuits dismissed. Um, U.S. District Court Judge Julie Cairns later concluded that abundant evidence in the murder case pointed to an intruder having committed the crime. Uh, during an interview with CBS Detroit and in the case of John Bonet Ramsey documentary TV show um, in September of 2016, Werner Spitz, a forensic pathologist, accused Burke Ramsey of killing John Bonet. So on the 6th of October 2016, Burke filed a defamation lawsuit against Spitz. Burke and his attorneys, one of whom was Linwood, looked for a total of $150 million in punitive and compensatory damages. Um, Linwood also said that he would also... I always thought when I was doing the research that Lynn was a, a woman, but Lynn is a, a male. Huh. Uh, Linwood also said that he would um, also file a suit against CBS at the end of October 2016. On the 28th of December 2016, Bark Ramsey's lawyers filed an additional civil lawsuit that accused CBS, the production company Critical Content LLC, and seven experts and consultants of defamation of character. They looked for $250 million in in compensatory damages and $500 million in punitive damages. In January of 2018, a judge denied the motion to dismiss that CBS had submitted and the suit was allowed to go ahead. In January of 2019, Linwood announced that he that the lawsuit had been settled to the satisfaction of all parties. Okay. And that concludes the, the case, case of John, John Bonet Ramsey. Jinx, touch my nipple. I got there first. I don't think that was your nipple, but I touched something. Yeah, it was near my nipple. There. Oh, don't do that. <laughs> Sorry. Sensitive nipple. You're not a man. Sorry about that. I'm don't get me excited. I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> So anyway, <laughs> um, so thanks. we will end this episode with a hidden boner. No, I'm joking. Well, I knocked my phone. But uh, thanks for listening. And always remember, if you don't give five stars, the Boulder, Colorado Police Department is going to railroad you and indict you on false charges. And they're going to tell everyone that you're a criminal. And Tanya's going to touch your nipples. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not. Just the right one. As in not the right one, as in it's going to feel good. Just as in located on the right. Okay, we're going now. <laughs> going, going, gone. Thanks for listening, guys. Love you all. Ciao.